Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. How did you do in your playoff picks? Bet you didn't have Cleveland jumping out to a 28 to nothing lead. Congratulations, Browns fans and Bills fans and Bucks fans, for that matter. We got to bond together. Jags people, right? With those kind of fan bases. It's been a long road for them, too. In 2017, it was like that around here. It's been a long road ever since. And, well, maybe happier times to come for the bottom feeders of the league. Over the next decade, perhaps, we will find out. Happier times not for Doug Peterson. He's out. Super Bowl championship well, doesn't carry that much equity, apparently. Uh, it only lasts for a few years. He's out in Philly. Would the Jags be interested? What's the latest on Urban Meyer? Why isn't anybody hiring any coaches? What is that going to happen? And the national championship game, of course, uh, tonight as well. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Brett Martineau here, uh, staying at home for one more day. Back in studio tomorrow, uh, it will be. And Action Sports Jack Studios are filled with Austin Lane and Justin Kuzart. We call them Kuz. What's happening, fellas? Nothing too much, man. Just trying to figure out a way I can get on that Nickelodeon uh, NFL stream, man. I'm trying to put my application to that. Did that you was like awesome. It? That was you awesome. Like it? Oh, it was fun. Okay, I didn't yeah. even watch it. I just saw some of the stuff. I on thought Twitter. it was. Uh, I mean, listen, it's not made for for adults per se. I mean, it's made for kids, and they did a great job explaining the rules. And I'll be honest, man. I don't know who any of those kids were that were doing the, the, the sideline reporting. I mean, obviously Nate Burleson was there. He does a great they're, job. Um, they're on that new, the new aged all that that they do. Hey, you know. Yeah, not yeah. for me, yeah. right? But the fact that one kid was doing a Barack Obama impression calling the game, one girl was doing a Cardi B impression calling the game, I just thought, like, man, I better set my game up a little bit because these young upstarts are coming like you wouldn't believe. Uh, I didn't see. So do you think there will be more of this? Oh, absolutely. There's, so, like, so overall, there's way too much hype. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you agree? I yeah I agree. I, when we were watching it. I turned to N- Nicole at one point. I was like, "They're talking to me like I'm stupid," and she's like, "It's because they're explaining it, it for man. kids." Yeah, I mean, I yeah. have a five year old who really appreciated it, so yeah. I was all for it. So he liked it. Oh, he loved it. They didn't. Hey. Uh, they didn't like the uh, the young Sheldon though, because he's not technically from Nickelodeon. So I think okay. there were some upset thoughts about that. From yeah. who? From well, people he, tweeting it, the Twitter, the from internet. Angry Twitter, that's who it was from. I mean, yeah. again, I don't know if this was as designed for angry Twitter as it was for kids. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind the uh, the target audience. But, hey, you know, genius move by the NFL to at least try it, right? Why not? And you see all it's funny. Like tonight, national championship game, ESPN will roll out, like, however many channels they have, they'll mm-hmm. roll out that many different broadcasts. There'll be a broadcast done with uh, the game Almost like you're in the stadium and you can just hear the PA guy. Uh, there'll be the normal game with Herb Street and Fowler. There will be like a game cast, if you will, with coaches and former players. I mean, it, they try all this stuff. And so credit to the NFL during the playoff game. Uh, they obviously try the Nickelodeon thing and, and get that younger audience involved. And it did look pretty cool and it got a buzz going. Uh, and also they tried the 4K camera. Um, all weekend or most of the weekend on the uh, kind of those uh, isolation shots like after a player would score or or so on. So And and that looked pretty cool. They got a little work to do on that from a TV standpoint. It looked like there was a lot of -of out-of-focus shots, but I don't know if that was just because I wasn't watching it in 4K or if that's just kind of uh, the way that that works right now until they figure it out. No, like essentially it looked like they put their cameras in 
portrait mode. And, like, you know, the one thing that was in front of them was focused on, then everything else behind them was unfocused. So, yeah, that was an interesting type of view, like, especially in the, in the end zone, the celebration. Like, that was cool. Um, I remember watching the Rams game, the sidelines with that, whatever you call it now, like the updated 4K or 8K, whatever it is, 25K. Um, yeah, th- that looked cool. But I wonder how that's going to come across when you start incorporating fans into it, right? Because when you get those shots of the end zone or shots in the sidelines, you try to include the fans sometimes to sell the atmosphere. And I feel like if those fans are blurred out a little bit, then you kind of lose something big of that game. So it's cool right now with, you know, very um, limited amount of fans being at the game. But I wonder how it's going to come across when you have a full stadium again. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I'll have to do, I have not read up on the whole usage of that camera and what all that was about, but I'll be interested to see it. I'll have to go look it up and see uh, kind of what the, the big picture is. Uh, for all of that with the NFL. But anyway, while the NFL playoff week, I think we had some pretty good games. You know, obviously mm-hmm. the Chicago Saints game was a little bit boring. Um, I thought the actual, the Rams-Seattle game had, I, I didn't think it was very entertaining, but it was still kind of like, wow, this is really happening, right? The Saints, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I mean, Seattle just couldn't do anything. But I think a lot of the games lived up to the billing. Uh, you know, I would be, who are you most ticked off at right now if you're the fan base of? Like, What's the most frustrated fan base coming out of the weekend? Oof, that's a good call. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a second to think about it. I mean, uh, and like I would see, I still believe it's the Colts. The Colts. If you go back, like if I'm in Indianapolis today or yesterday, I'm going to highlight about 12 plays in that game that are just normal plays that you make that you screwed up that changed the game. Like I thought, abs- not, I mean, not every play changed the game, but some of them were big. Like the jumping off sides on fourth and three, mm. right before the half, instead of ten, ten, fourteen to ten. You know, whether you didn't take the points, although I still kind of, kind of had an idea what they were doing. All the dropped passes. I mean, I just think, I thought the Colts absolutely dominated the Bills for, I would say, eighty-five percent of that game. Yeah, and and they didn't win. I mean, it was, and, and by the way, it wasn't because Philip Rivers turned the ball over. I thought Philip Rivers played a heck of a football game, man. So, I, I mean, I guess the fans in Seattle, I know the fans in Pittsburgh, uh, but I, I'm still, the Colts still almost won that game, and they kind of gave it away in my estimation. Yeah, I think if you're a Steelers fan, you're upset, but you watched how Big Ben played the, you know, the first two quarters, and it's like, well, what did you expect? I mean, like, he, he just did not look good. Now, he had a career day at the end, but he also, I think he threw four interceptions. So it was like a career day slash one of the worst games of his entire life. So I think if you're a Steelers fan, you're a little upset. But to me, like, the Seahawks, um, I think if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm super disappointed. Obviously, Jared Goff was on the sidelines. Um, you know, Johnny comes in, gets hurt. Goff comes in with like what seems like a half of a hand and gets the job done still. And the Seahawks, it's been culminating. It feels like the past, I don't know, probably eight or nine weeks when they started to abandon their pass game and go more of their traditional Seahawks style of running the football. And you saw them try to do that against the Rams, and it did not work. Like, listen, I understand that you're trying to help your defense out and play complimentary football. But when you got DK Metcalf, when you got Tyler Lockett, and you had Russell Wilson at the time, who was in the MVP running, turn him loose. Like, I understand that's not necessarily your brand of football, what you're accustomed to in Seattle. But you got to go with what got you there in the first place. And, like, the, the time the Seahawks were the most potent on offense was when they just, you know, they took the safety off and they pulled the trigger and they aired the ball out. And you saw a team, you know, uh, against the Rams that try to run the ball a little more, that try to play complimentary football, and the Rams had their number.
Yeah, I, I think you're right about that, too. I thought they played super conservative. You just got to let it fly a little bit. I mean, you play right into the hands, essentially, of the Rams because you're so afraid of what they do. Well, do what you do. you got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and I agree with you in that respect uh, with Seattle. Disappointing. I thought Russell Wilson did not play well at all. Like he was about mm-hmm. to, in, in a game where quarterbacks were like, okay, John Wolford hasn't played a lot. I mean, love the guy, but hasn't really played a lot. Then gets hurt. Jared Goff, who's not going to do much. He just had thumb surgery. And instead of elevating and Russell Wilson being the best quarterback in the game, he just kind of blended right in with those other two guys. Like there was no standout QB in that game, uh, which, again, credit to the Rams defense. They are built mm-hmm. uh, to, to win. Rex Ryan brought this up. I want to ask you this a little bit later in the show. So think about this one, everybody, and then you can participate. But Rex Ryan, I saw him pregame yesterday, I think it was, and I was like, oh, that's a good radio topic. So I'm going to stick with it even after the weekend. But he said the Rams, he thought, were the most dominant unit in the postseason. And so I want you to marinate on that a little bit. And what do you think? Are we talking like the defensive unit or defensive line? No, I'm talking, I'm talking about, well, yeah, their defense. Their defense okay. is more dominant than Kansas City's offense or Tampa's offense or somebody else's defense, Chicago or the Saints or whatever. Okay. So the most dominant unit, offense, defense, and, of course, nobody's going to say special teams here, uh, in, in the postseason, is it the Rams' defense, hmm. even more so than the Bills' offense, Kansas City offense? Uh, I, I think the Rams do have the best defense, but what I'm asking here is would you, if you had to list them, Mm-hmm. Would you take the Rams, or would you take the Chiefs, or would you take the Bills the way they're playing right now, or would you take the Bucks the way they're playing? Although it wasn't that impressive, but uh, that style. So anyway, we'll get to that a, a little bit later on. Obviously, the hot story coming out of the weekend though continues to be a wait and see. Uh, it's all quiet. This is this is uh, the the proverbial calm before the storm, isn't it? I mean, quiet on Saturday and Sunday, essentially on the Jags coaching front. Uh, Arthur Smith last night uh, was the latest report, Salah on Saturday. And I think the biggest news of the weekend, Austin, is we have yet to hear Urban Meyer say, I'm staying at Fox in the studios and I don't want to do it. That's the biggest news of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the biggest news of the weekend. Now, Doug Peterson, we'll talk about that in a second, Like that kind of trumped everything, it seems like, which yeah. happened a couple uh, hours ago. But as far as Urban Meyer... Yeah, whether it's gamesmanship, whether it's him trying to be respectful of Ohio State playing tonight, maybe they announce it after. Um, I was a little surprised to hear, you know, to hear like Urban Meyer didn't say anything quite yet, whether he's going to coach or not, just because. Listen, I understand that you're in the power position right now, and then I understand maybe you're trying to help out your your alma mater that you coached at here. You want to show respect to them, but at the end of the day, like to me, Urban Meyer's the main domino right now. Once he falls into place, whether it's going to Jacksonville or declining, once he falls into place, then all of a sudden the other coaches are going to start trickling down and getting their jobs. So literally the entire football world, it seems like right now, is waiting on um, a college football championship game to be completed and then for a broadcaster from that network at Fox to say whether or not he's going to coach him going yeah, forward. I, yeah, I think – you know, listen. All those things are in play. I think it's a little less about Ohio State. Uh, if you're really asking me, I know people are saying, "Well, he might poach some members of the staff," and on respect to that, he might. Maybe that's part of it. I mean, that certainly could. I think. Uh, I, I think this is a little bit. This is not surprising that the process is slowed. Uh, I, I think that's intentional. Uh, maybe on his part, I think it's intentional on the Jags part to, to make sure you get through all of this and see what else happens and, and everything else. So, um, I think, I Why think, do you say it's intentional? 
because I think it was going too fast early on. Like I think this is now along the pace of where it should be. I think from the Jags' point of view, uh, th- there's no reason not to vet everything out. There's no reason not to be concerned that, hey, even if you feel good about Urban Meyer, what if in the 11th hour he changes his mind? We have to do our due diligence. We have to get through Sala. We have to get through Arthur Smith. Like, so getting through the weekend was very important, I think, for the Jags. Like, so on that side. And I think for Urban's side, yeah, he is doing some coverage, but he's not doing a lot with Fox. I think the, the Ohio State stuff, is interesting. I think this is still mulling everything they had a conversation about and seeing who he could potentially reach out to and maybe the staff and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's about getting ducks in a row um, and where this thing goes. But if I'm the Jack side, I'm still very cautious that Urban says no. But I think it's a huge development that he hasn't said no yet. Uh, on Thursday, I was a big believer, even Friday morning, I was a big believer that Although this was fun and exciting and I see where everything's going, I still believed that Urban Meyer was going to say, hey, thanks for the courtship. Man, I really try. I want to do it. It's tough to turn it down, but I just think this is, it's the best move not to, to go back to the sideline. And then when he meets with Shot on Friday and he's taking it this far and still nothing Saturday. And so yesterday I kind of changed my mind. Like we are still not hearing anything to say that Urban Meyer is going to say no. I don't know if he would take it this far um, without, like, really, really wanting to get back in and do this thing. That doesn't mean he couldn't say, hey, uh, last minute, I, I, I'm just not 100% comfortable. Because you better be all in, right? We've said that before. So I, I think, I've changed my mind on it, Austin, I guess, is my point over the weekend where I think this is headed. And so if you ask me Thursday or Friday morning, all right, Brent, you got to bet $1,000 on – um, Urban being the coach or not, I would have said no. I, I would think that he would. I know they're interested. I, I hear you, but I think he would have said no. You asking me today? I'm going to say yeah. I think he is going to be the next coach of the Jaguars. Do you think that the news not being released yet, if Urban Meyer is going to be the coach or not, do you think that's more on him or the Jacksonville Jaguars wanting to slow play and say, hey man, don't announce it until you know Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah. Uh, I, I do think, first of all, I think there is something to be said about um, – I, I firmly believe the Jags wanted to slow the process down and get through the interviews and everything else. Um, for now, for later, for just in case they get left at the altar, all those things, even in the situation, if we all believe, which I think a lot of us do believe, that, that they are courting him, him as their number one guy. I also believe there's a respect to the NFL – and this happens in Major League Baseball and a lot of other sports, too. When your playoffs are going on, it's not really the ideal time to be announcing stuff and breaking news, right? I mean, in the spotlight are, are six NFL games over the weekend. So now is kind of the day that, that news starts to happen. And I would say uh, I think the ball is still in Urban's court. So I think this is more about Urban getting through tonight and whatever duties he might have and say, hey, I'll let you know on Tuesday. But in the title of our show today, I put it's Decision Day. And the reason I think it's Decision Day, Austin, is i got to figure this out. I mean, it's time. To, it's go time, right? I mean, hey, you know, we've been courting you. We've, we've had discussions. You knew we were interested. Uh, we think you're interested. We met on Friday. You know what's on the table. It's time to make a decision because there are five, now six other jobs out there, and there's competition for those jobs. We feel like we have the best job. We want to go be- get our next best guy if you're not going to say yes. So I believe this next 24 hours is huge on the Urban Meyer front if he is coming or going uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously I'm leaning towards the point more of he's going to be here than he's not going to be here. 
Um, I truly feel like, listen, Urban Meyer, you can give him a lot of attributes and characteristics. Probably the biggest thing is that the guy loves to win. All right. And sometimes he puts winning over all costs and that's fine. This is the National Football League. Welcome. And I just feel like a guy who wants to win so badly, which we assume Urban Meyer still does. And then the guy who knows this already because he's, he was a great college coach is trying to be a great NFL coach where you need every advantage that you can get in terms of coaching. And if that means that you got to announce that you're going to go with the Jaguars a little sooner so you can get your ducks in a row and you, so you can start, you know, going on that, uh, you know, watching the college film. I mean, depending on the combine this year, we'll see what happens with that. But obviously getting the type of guys that you want, like, listen, this is all part of it, right? Like the, the sooner you get a coach and a staff in here, the sooner they can get to work. And I feel like the sooner you get to work, that's an advantage. That's a competitive advantage for a guy who cares about winning more than everything. So the fact that we haven't heard Urban Meyer say he's not interested, yes, that is a good sign if you're in the Urban camp, if you want Urban Meyer to come to Jacksonville. But I just feel like I'm a little surprised that he hasn't announced anything yet, even though he's got other obligations with Fox, just because... You know, every day that goes by is, a, uh, is an opportunity to start watching college film and getting your ducks in a row and going after the guys that you want for this up-and-coming draft. Yeah, and, and here's what's interesting about the whole process for me, Austin, is I've got people I know about th- for you, too. But this is how big the Urban Meyer news is, right? Just the idea. And, again, we can debate whether you want them or not or, or whatever. But the idea of it is so big in Jacksonville that I feel like I get double-digit texts like every day and twice a day about, have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? Is he come? What's the latest, you know? I mean, people that don't normally text about that stuff, I'm not talking about, like, news people saying, hey, have you heard anything yet? Is there breaking news? So I think it's pretty wild, but I've also had multiple people in the last week or so say, yeah, I don't think he's gonna, he's not going to do it. And then nothing comes out. And so that's where I'm a little it's, – it's wild, right? Um, I think everybody might have a feeling or think they know something or somebody might be close or – but the fact that we haven't heard by Albert Breer or anybody close to Meyer or any of these stories that he is not interested, he's going to stay at Fox, I think right now is a big win for the Jags if you want Urban Meyer. The fact that we're sitting here on Monday afternoon, uh, and I think decision time is near. I, I think the next 24 hours are huge on the Urban Meyer front. Uh, I've given you my window all along. I think Monday night in, it, we could start hearing reports, uh, whether he's in or out. And I think Tuesday could be the day we hear whether he's in or out. Uh, that doesn't mean the Jags have a coach because if he's out, then they got to move on. Um, but I know this week they will have a head coach. I mean, is there any doubt in your mind they're going to have a head coach by the end of this week? No, there's there's absolutely zero doubt in my mind. That's that's almost a foregone conclusion. I feel like at this point, yeah. I mean, I would not be surprised if you heard something tonight, possibly after the game. But then once again, like, do you wait till tomorrow morning for you know the whole news cycle um, and let you know Ohio State or Alabama have their moment? I don't know. I mean, time will tell. I just feel like the fact that we haven't heard anything from Urban Meyer yet, um, it's a little peculiar. I don't think he's like trying to parlay this into more money from five listen i don't know i mean i don't know urban meyer i've never talked to the guy before i don't know what he's all about but i just feel like if you care about winning more than anything then slow playing this whole thing parlaying this for maybe more money someplace else um that's not the way to go about things if you're truly concerned about winning over everything
Yeah, and this could be it for Urban Meyer, right? I mean, if he's not going to get into this situation, then what situation are you going to get into in the NFL? Now, maybe he could still go to the college game at some point. Maybe Ryan Day goes to the NFL in two or three years, and Urban wants back in at age 59, 60 years old, and says, okay, I'm going to go back there. That could happen, I'm sure. But So I don't say this is the end of his coaching career, but if you want a situation to go into in the NFL, I mean, maybe a better one comes along somewhere along the way, but between here and the Chargers, it's hard to find two. Yeah. <laughs> and and who knows if the Chargers are that interested. Uh, to your point, parlaying into money, listen, I think at the worst-case scenario, if I'm Urban Meyer, I think he's getting another million or two bucks from Fox <laughs> at the worst. But I don't think that's his tactic here. I agree with you on that. If I was his agent, it would be a tactic. Hey, Urban, just make sure... If you don't want to go, let's make sure we get another couple mil out of Fox. Um, that would be the smart play. Uh, but I think he is seriously considering it, and and I think wrestling with it. And who knows where these discussions have landed? Who knows the questions he's asking? What he needs? Is he hearing the right things from Shad Khan? Uh, I think it's fascinating because if if Urban Meyer is the next head coach of the Jaguars, whether you like it or not, whether it works out or not, this has Shad Khan written all over it. I mean, this is not a search committee. This is not, hey, Urban's people reaching out. This is Shad Khan saying, I want that guy, and I'm going to get that guy, because quite frankly, he might be the only NFL team interested in that guy right now. So it, that part to me is really fascinating uh, with Shad Khan, what looks to be uh, going after Urban Meyer in this case. All right, what's a plan B? Are you interested in Doug Peterson? The guy's fresh off a of Super Bowl a few years ago, and now he's available. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about... What else is out there? What could you do if Urban Meyer isn't the guy? And are we missing anybody? Is there a sleepy candidate that just hasn't been reported? Remember, and I always say this, the Shad Khan circle is tight. Like, we could interview Shad Khan in a couple weeks after he makes the hire, and he might tell us, oh, yeah, there are a bunch of guys that weren't reported that we, we talked to. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that happened in the last cycle and the cycle before that with Shad Khan. So are we missing anybody here uh, that we could get blindsided uh, by a potential coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? All those topics. We'll actually go to Columbus, Ohio, talk a little bit about the national title game. But also, what's the feel in Columbus about Urban Meyer? Do they think he's going to go to the NFL? What kind of coach would he be in the NFL? We'll do that later on in this hour. Happy Monday, everybody. The Jags coaching search continues. And, oh, yeah, they still have that GM job hanging out there as well. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back. Action Sports Jags on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. The beer that made Milwaukee famous. Giannis Adekempo, big sign, the deer that made Milwaukee famous. Brent Martineau. I can buy that. Yeah, okay. That's That's all I'm throwing out there. I can definitely buy that. Hashtag and trademark. So if somebody tries to steal it, I'm suing you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It feels good, you know, Mr. Jamison. Um, I, I knew, you know, we had the capability of doing that. Uh, but, you know, there's going to always be no um, naysayers, you know, no matter what. So we just one game at a time. I appreciate the, um, the win. Hard fought team victory, you know. They played great as well. You know, Tennessee played um, a pretty, pretty good game, you know, on both sides of the ball. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for the win. You know, that's all God. That is Lamar Jackson. Baltimore Ravens QB. And what a tired storyline that was. My God. <laughs> the guy's like 23 years old. He loses two playoff games. And it's, will he ever win a playoff game? Yeah. Like he's Phillip Rivers at age 38 mm-hmm. and has never won, even though he's been 15 times. I mean, it, that was like 
That's the most asinine storyline I've ever seen. I mean, how about asking uh, post game? That's all we got to talk about. How about the the lightning flash that happened on the touchdown run that really changed the game? Mm-hmm. My goodness. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, though, just how that one play changed the entire outlook of that game. Absolutely. Because Baltimore was looking dead to rights, and all of a sudden one just, you know, one routine Lamar Jackson top ten nominee highlight, and all of a sudden the Ravens win that game. It's crazy how just explosive, and we all it's so cliche, it comes down to a couple plays. Well, it, the game literally came down to that one play. Yeah, and Austin, what's interesting about that, change the momentum, but I also think it changes the way you look at Lamar Jackson because we're talking in that, and, and I said this to Ty at the time, we're watching that game, and you know Lamar Jackson's not playing that great, and then he has that, and it's like, holy cow, that was unbelievable, the way he shot out of that, that pocket, yeah. and bam, you know, the rest was was typical Lamar, but it was just the speed that, when speed comes across on TV like that, that's fast, okay? And so it was like, whoa, that was amazing, and so what happens in our day and age, right? It's a sports center play. It's this highlight play. It's like the play everybody's talking about on Twitter and like, oh my gosh. Well, in our world today, I think it hides everything that wasn't good. Because quite frankly, Lamar Jackson threw a bad pick, should have had another ball picked off in the end zone probably on like first or second down. So it was first down, I think. So it wasn't the right time to take a chance. Uh, he overthrew some play. Like he just didn't look great. And then all of a sudden, it's the run play, and then he makes a couple of other plays. But if you look in totality of what I think Lamar Jackson did in that game, especially like the first two and a half quarters, like it was a lot more not good than good. But that play just changed everything in terms of the flow of the game, but also the way you looked at Lamar Jackson. And good for him. I'm not saying that in a negative way. But that's what he is. Like He can hide a lot of not-so-great because of he's got a gift that nobody else has in the NFL. I don't even think Kyle Murray has the gift he has, at least the way he runs. Uh, Kyle Murray does it a little bit different. And, and it's just, when you can be that fast in a league that has the best players in the world, the best athletes in the world in that sport, and you can make them look that slow, my goodness, that's impressive. Oh, yeah, don't get it twisted. Kyler Murray would never. I mean, it, it comes down to me. It comes down to Mike Vick, and it comes down to Lamar Jackson. And those are the two guys really that um, outside everybody. I, I get it. Randall Cunningham was a very mobile quarterback. But just like to make it look like a video game and to make it look effortless like you're not even trying, those are the two guys to me that stick out. Yeah, um, so, hey, good for him. Uh, you know, he, he, We've interviewed him before in Jacksonville. He seems like such a good guy. Lamar Jackson, and I was really obviously happy for Calais Campbell. Jan goes to, uh, I've I got to be honest, I, I saw Jan on one play. I'm not even sure how many snaps he played. Like, I didn't know. Well, yeah, play. I mean, they were using a lot of uh, Parnell McPhee, who I actually played with in Chicago, because they were trying to stop that run, obviously, with Derrick Henry. And by the makes way, sense. they did a fantastic job of doing that. McPhee was a beast yesterday. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense, too, not having Jan in there against yeah. the run. But, um, you know, Good for Calais and and um, and those guys. I mean, obviously rooting for Calais. I don't care. Uh, as I don't. It's like I don't have this angst. Like, oh no, I wish Yon doesn't get the uh, Super Bowl trophy. No way. I don't care what happens there. Um, I, I'd love to see Calais uh, go all the way to the Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Brett Morton, Austin Lane. Big story around here is who's going to be the next head coach. Who's going to take the Jags someday to a Super Bowl? We hope. Uh, is there a guy out there to do that? Well, there is a guy now available that won a Super Bowl just a few years ago, almost matched up with the Jaguars in that 2018 Super Bowl, 2017 season, and now all of a sudden has been fired. 
Doug Peterson, first of all, Austin, how surprised are you that he's fired? And what do you think the main reason why? There's a lot of reports saying that uh, Jeffrey Lurie didn't like the direction he had planned, like who he was going to keep on his staff. But how much do you think this stems back to, you know what, we're going to pick Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson, or we didn't like the way you handled that last football game in the second half by basically giving up in that game? Yeah, to me it's a combination of things. And the answer to your first question, I am not surprised whatsoever. Because I haven't said, once you chose to put Sudfeld in over Jalen Hurts, you made the decision that winning is no longer important. You made the decision that you're going to let your ego get in the way and you got to confront your players and say, well, you know, we're going to let Hurts sit on the sidelines and the backup can go in. Like, you can't you can't justify that decision to the guys in that locker room. And, and I truly felt when that decision was made, that is when Doug Peterson lost his locker room. Now, he may have, lo- he may have lost him, you know, that day, but I think going into even this up-and-coming season during training camp, during OTAs, I think he might have lost him there as well. So I'm not surprised whatsoever. At the end of the day, Doug Peterson, if you look at the resume, listen, the guy won a Super Bowl. So props to you for doing that, right? Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl MVP one time, right? But I didn't see people clamoring to get Trent Dilfer as a quarterback, um, you know, years after the fact. Just like I don't see a lot of teams clamoring to get Doug Peterson right now just because I think he left such a bad taste in everyone's mouth in Philadelphia. So with Doug Peterson, if you're asking me the question, do I want him in Jacksonville? Absolutely not. Because he lost the quarterback room, number one. You're supposed to be a quarterback guy. And number two, you lost the team. I don't want that in Jacksonville. Well, it's very hard to fire, get hire a fired guy. Okay, I mean, now, it happened in Philly before, Andy Reid. <laughs> and look how that worked out. Uh, so Andy Reid went to Kansas City within like 24 hours, and that's been pretty good. Um, but I, I'm just going to be honest with you. The whole Doug Peterson, maybe it's part of the book comment on Doug Marone, and um, he just has always rubbed me as a bit too arrogant maybe. And, there's listen, there's ego involved in all the coaching. You need it. And, I mean, listen, I'm I'm all for Urban Meyer, and if you, you, you can't sit here and tell me there's no ego involved there, right? Yeah. Uh, but. He's always just kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Now I have no idea. I don't. I've never even interviewed Peterson. Just from the outside looking in, um, and and now there's some talk that he could end up with the Jets because Joe Douglas uh, is is the GM there, and so that would be a good fit. And that would be once again, Austin, what you always say in terms of hiring your buddy, essentially. Um, but I do think Peterson's a good coach now. I think he did a good job in Philly, not only in the Super Bowl, but remember the year later, I think they made a December run, uh, and they beat Chicago, right, that second year on the double doinker. Sure. I think it was by Parkey. But just to get in the playoffs that year, I always said that my biggest uh, compliment for Peterson was always, I felt like he had them playing their best football, like in late November and December, like at the right time. And so I thought that was a sign of a pretty darn good football coach. Now, that didn't happen for him this year, and, and now they've got a quarterback situation in Philly. My, my guess is they have to go offensive mind in Philly just to fix Carson Wentz, if, if he's fixable, if, because I would imagine they're going to keep him and nobody else is going to take on that contract. So I, I agree with you, though. I'm, I'm not that – this is a really good job. Um, I think this guy's a pretty good coach, to be honest with you, and Doug Peterson. But I, it's almost like uh, – 
it's not a slam dunk enough for me to say, yeah, come on with the baggage. You know, like Urban Meyer to me is such a winner and so different and, and such a swing for the fences that if there's a little bit of baggage in there, I'm okay with it. But that's the only guy I'm okay with the baggage. I, I want to get rid of some of that drama internally. And I think Peterson almost just adds to the drama and, and drama instead of uh, get rid, rid of it. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to help the optics, I feel like, if you're Jacksonville, you go after Doug Peterson. Uh, I think that you make that hire and people start scratching their heads going, what are you guys thinking? Just because, once again, like, if you have the youngest team in the NFL and you choose to provide that team with a guy who literally took out the starting quarterback because, well, I, because he wanted to see Nate Sutton? No. Like, come on, man. What, what are we talking about here? Everybody can see through the, you know what. So, I'll be honest. Like I got respect for Doug Peterson because of what he was able to accomplish back in 2017, and he'll be remembered in the in the, in the annals of football forever. But with that being said, I don't want him in Jacksonville just because you're only as good as your last game, and your and your last game, in my opinion, was an absolute dumpster fire. Hey, what, real quick before we get a break, what is Plan B in Jacksonville right now? Like they've interviewed five people that's been reported: B. Enemy, Arthur Smith, Meyer. Sala, Raheem Morris. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you lose one in Meyer, right, and because we all tend to believe, I think, I'm, I'm speaking for everybody here, that Meyer might be tops on their list and say he doesn't want to do it or it doesn't work out. Well, what's plan B? There's some talk like the enemy now might stay in Kansas City. There's some talk like the enemy doesn't interview very well. Is the enemy plan B for this team? Is, is Sala plan B? What do you think plan B is? I mean... Uh, regardless of the whole Biennemi, like, I'm not sure where the Biennemi stuff is um, in terms of him not interviewing well. But if he was to stay in Kansas City, then you almost got to go Salah out of that because I feel like you got to bring in a guy to kind of reinvent this whole thing and you know be that leader, and Salah can be that guy. Yeah, I kind of I'm with you on that. I, although I'm not opposed to Biennemi, I don't know what this interview stuff is. You know, I, I, who knows? You just but, brought it up. Well, I no, I've I've read that. I've read oh. some people that say, yeah. I mean, I've read about people say okay. he hasn't interviewed well. What the hell does that mean? I mean, how do we know if he doesn't interview well? You know, I mean, Chad Khan's the only one that can really answer that. We weren't in the room, so I, I think before I read that, I would have said be enemy because of Trevor Lawrence. I'm all for it, but Salah has always been my pick. You just got to get a good offensive coordinator. I am not that intrigued as everybody else is, and I've heard good things from people I've asked about Arthur Smith, and it's got nothing to do with yesterday's game. Yeah. I'm just not as intrigued as everybody else is with that. And Raheem Morris, no thank you. Uh, by the way, I was a 91% no on our uh, approval rating poll are you uh, su- for Raheem Morris. Are you surprised that they haven't interviewed Brian Dabble? Dable, Dabble? Yeah, yeah. I you know how I told you behind the scenes, I think everybody kind of connects the dots and knows what's going on? The One of the reasons I believe maybe they haven't done that with Dable is I think they probably feel like he's going to Houston. Just because it makes too much sense, right? It, it, the, the, the dots are connected there, but I I am a little surprised. To answer your question, I'm a little surprised. Dable's been a hot name. Yeah, man. And, and all the things he's won from Alabama to, to Patriots, yep. I, don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't at least uh, – Look under the hood. Exactly. Hey, when we come back, we go to Columbus, Ohio. We talk a little more Urban Meyer. Talk about the National Championship game tonight as well. It's next on ESPN 690.
I think our guys understand what's at stake. And at the end of the day, it comes down to executing your job and doing your job and being accountable to the guy uh, next to you. And that's what it is, you know. And you can make it bigger, uh, you know, bigger than it is. But at the end of the day, you got to do your job. And it's about the execution and preparation. And the more you prepare, the more confident you can be on game day. And so that's really what it comes down to, you know. And there certainly is going to be excitement and all those things with a big game. But once the foot hits the ball, I mean, it's just—it's another game, and it comes comes down to doing your job. Uh, and so that's that's really all you do is just you continue to spend as much time as you can preparing for the game so you can play faster on, on Monday night. That is Ryan Day, head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, play for a national championship coming up. In a few hours down in South Florida. Let's go to Columbus, Ohio right now. Brett Martin, along with former Jags player Austin Lane. And we welcome in Dave Holmes from Columbus and a TV station up there, WBNS. He also is a host of Game Time with Ryan Day. So obviously everybody in Columbus covers the Ohio State Buckeyes very closely, Dave included. And uh, first thoughts on the national championship game, but I want some other thoughts too, Dave, for on Ryan Day and even Urban Meyer, uh, if you have a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. And uh, the Buckeyes have a chance to beat Bama tonight. Yeah, you know, I think they do. Appreciate it, by the way, guys. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, I think they do have a chance. I, I, we've seen one thing in Ohio State in the playoff. They seem to play better as an underdog. I mean, we look back at the run in 2014-15, and they were an underdog, strong underdog with a third-string quarterback against Alabama. Uh, and won that game, went on to beat Marcus Mariota, won a ch- title against Oregon. So I think they can. I mean, they blew my mind with how well they played against Clemson. I thought that was going to be a close game. And if you told me one team is going to blow the other team out, I think we probably thought it would be Clemson doing the beating. Uh, so I was a little surprised by how well they played. So now now that I've seen the ceiling, and, and we've seen the floor, the team is so talented they can't play that poorly, especially in the Big Ten. They're going to win every game. We've seen the floor all year. We saw the ceiling against Clemson. And if they bring the ceiling, then, yeah, they, they have 22 guys who are every bit as good as Alabama when they line across from them. Dave, when we talk about the ceiling, um, it starts with Ryan Day. I think Ryan Day does a great job of setting his players up for success in big games. If you go back to that Clemson game, he did a, a fantastic job of using up-tempo a little more, what you're not really accustomed to seeing sometimes from Ohio State, using up-tempo but also the run game. And being a, de- a former defensive lineman, there's nothing uh, more sucky than playing an up-tempo style you know, uh, offense when they can c- control the trenches as well. Do you see them going with that same kind of game plan against Alabama, or do they flip the script and come up with something new? I think they'll actually flip it a little bit. Now, I think this game's going to be played in the 30s and 40s because you just have two really, really good offenses and two defenses that are beatable at times. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think if Ohio State could choose a style here, it's going to be Trey Sermon and ball control. I really do think you want to, you want to follow the same format you did against Alabama in that 2014 Sugar Bowl when they beat them with Zeke Elliott. And Trey Sermon has been I mean, an epiphany here in Columbus because this was a guy who didn't even look like he should see the field early in the season. He was getting six, seven touches. He looked uncomfortable after transferring from Oklahoma. And there are a lot of narratives about Ohio State, and I get it. Nationwide, some people think they don't belong. They didn't play enough games. And, and those are valid points. You're not going to get people in Columbus to agree with you on that. But I understand, I understand the case. I do think the Buckeyes needed more reps, and I think they were hurt by a lack of reps. But the one place where this is true is Trey Sermon is basically as fresh as he would be in mid-August. And I do think that is helping Ohio State because the run game and his legs look unbelievably fresh. So I think they want to lean on him tonight if they can. 
Dave Holmes from WBNS in Columbus, Ohio, with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Ohio State plays tonight against Alabama in the national championship game. By the way, shout-out to Gahanna, Ohio. That's where my wife is from, so shout-out to everybody in Gahanna and uh, a, a good part of this uh, beautiful country there in Ohio. Uh, the Sean Wade has a big matchup tonight against Devontae Smith. He's a Jacksonville guy, Dave. His stock was through the roof going into this year. I feel like it slipped a little bit. He has a chance to really make a statement tonight against this passing attack of Alabama. It's interesting because Sean Wade's play has not necessarily matched up with his reputation. You you were right. They looked at him. The Buckeyes strongly believe they are DBU with all due respect to LSU. They think they produce first-round talents better than anyone. Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, Garyon Conley, Eli Apple, my goodness. I mean, how many first-round quarterbacks? And Sean Wade was the next guy on that list. It hasn't always been there this year. Now, there is a huge difference between playing slot corner, which he excelled at, and moving outside. And I think that adjustment's taken some time. The thing about Sean Wade, though, he has made plays when he needs to make one. And I think that's what this night will be. I don't think anyone's winning this thing 17-13. to 13. I think the key is who can get a fourth down stop, who can get a turnover on downs, uh, or a turnover in general, because that's how this game's going to be won. I really don't think either defense is going to be able to hold them down. So, Sean Wade, is he going to give up 100-plus yards to Devontae Smith? Yeah, there's a good chance that happens. But is he going to make a breakup on a fourth and two? I think that's honestly how he'll be judged tonight. I want to change gears a little bit here. Urban Meyer, obviously a guy who's been linked right now to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of hype, um, uh, kind of a lot of hearsay going on in the city right now. I'm just curious, because when Urban Meyer left uh, you know, University of Florida, I mean – you heard about it because everybody had an opinion about it, and especially being in Jacksonville, uh, we're very close to that. What was the thoughts when Urban walked away in Ohio State? Like, what was that fan perception like? Okay, so there. Here's the thing, and let me let me say this. I realize this is going out to Florida. The health concerns with Urban Meyer are real. It's 100 percent valid. I'm not going to get into HIPAA things, but just I can swear to you, it's real. And I know people in Florida might roll their eyes at that comment. That said. Urban Meyer did not want to stop coaching at Ohio State. I mean, everyone who knows him, and, you know, I posted, I hosted his show before Ryan Days, he didn't want it to be done, okay? He did not, the love, the love did not go away. There was a serious health thing. He was also butting heads with university administration over the Zach Smith and that whole thing. Both those were legitimate reasons why I think Urban decided to step away. So the fan base was sad, but I do think they were quickly okay because of how good Ryan Day was. And I'll take the L on Ryan Day. I love the guy, but I thought they should have opened up the search just because the job was so prestigious. They didn't, and they made the right call. Ryan Day's fantastic. But the fan base was upset. Now, will the fan base accept Urban Meyer if he goes to the NFL? Yeah, I think they will for the most part. And I think that's why the NFL thing makes more sense than college. When the Texas job opened, and I said there's no, I said on social media there's no way Urban Meyer goes to Texas, Longhorn Nation beat me over the head for about 72 hours, but <laughs> – it was never going to happen. Urban Meyer's legacy in Columbus is so important to him. It's more important than his legacy in Florida. He is an Ohio guy. He's from Ashtabula. This is where he's from. So he's very concerned about that, and I know that for a fact. That's not me guessing. He's concerned about his Ohio legacy. I think the NFL move is easier for fans to accept than if he went to someplace like Texas. Dave Holmes, we've got to wrap up from WBNS in Columbus, but what's your gut say? I mean, there's plenty of smoke here, man. I mean, they're interested. He's interested. I don't know if he's going to leave him at the altar and say, hey, I just don't want to get back in. What's your gut say? Uh, is he going to go, and, and can he be a really good NFL coach? Well, my gut has always said he's going to be a better college coach than NFL coach because I think he's better at motivating and recruiting than he is X's and O's. That said, Urban Meyer is not long for this world. 
He is a guy who burns fast and he burns bright. And if you're urban and you have that cap space and a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence or whoever he wants on a five-year rookie deal, I think Urban Meyer is a five-year tenure kind of guy. So if he wants to try to do something, this is the right time to jump. I've always said in college it was going to be Notre Dame, USC, or nothing. I think this makes sense, given his wife's love for Florida and his desire to coach again. I've heard that he's gone back and forth. I've heard it's been agonizing for him. So I think it's in play. Uh, we're going to find out in the near future if it's a real thing, though. Hey, Dave, real quick. Um, are they going to throw a social distancing parade in Columbus for, for Jim Harbaugh since he re-signed at Michigan? <laughs> Is that going so down or not? The reaction when he signed was like a pole of 13, the final team, when they land safely and everyone just explodes and cheers. That, you better so believe it. could not be happier for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, Party's Coos, all around. Hey, Coos wants us to get out of here, but hey, man, shout out to your Brownies. You, you guys are like, I mean, your Browns are, are winning. Ohio State's in a national title game. You must be on like cloud nine today. If the Buckeyes win tonight, this is the best 24 hours in football. (laughs) Hey, Dave Holmes, great stuff, man. Let's do it again. We wouldn't even get into Justin Fields and Ryan Day maybe going to the NFL, whatever, uh, down the road. Thanks for jumping in with us for a few minutes, man. Good luck tonight. Have a good one, guys. All right. uh, That is Dave Holmes from WVNS, and they're busy in in Columbus watching that Ohio State-Alabama game. Really good stuff on Urban Meyer. And, again, uh, Dave hosted the coaches show there. Uh, in Columbus, and now with Ryan Day, but formerly with Urban Meyer. So great insight uh, on what could be coming down the pipe uh, for Urban Meyer and potentially the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We'll continue to talk about this Jags job opening and the NFL playoffs that just happened over the weekend.